that concludes my announcements. And David Bailey is going to bring us a word from the Lord. It's good. Well, it's really great to be with you all today. Um, I'm glad that there was somebody that showed up today for the service. Um, I don't know why I get the low attending sermons to preach, you know, but it's all good. Um, you know, I Aaron actually gave me a um, blank uh, slate, didn't give me anything particular to preach. And so I spent a lot of time praying about what to uh, uh, share, what to preach, which uh, on your heart. And, and um, they say that preachers tend to only have like one sermon and uh, they just have a theme where everything kind of goes along that way. For me, it's the ministry of reconciliation. But as I began to pray a little bit more um, about this, I actually was um, really thinking about this because this is a, a significant like uh, season and year it's been for the church and not even only just for the church, but for, for myself. I've now am kind of entering in a full 10 years into um, being into to this community. And depending on what date you um, decide on how old Eastern Fellowship is, it depends on what date you choose. Do you choose the date where people started meeting in Pastor Don's house, or do you choose the date of us becoming a worshiping community? And, you know, we're somewhere between 10 to 12 years. And so, um, you know, one of the things that we... Uh, I don't know if y'all have sensed or just felt that. I mean, it's just been a a, a really uh, a significant time of maturing, a time of transition. Uh, people that were here uh, um, last year or two years ago aren't necessarily here now. Uh, our dear sister Monique is here visiting us from uh, New York, you know, who uh, came back home. And uh, she has two homes, one in New York and one in the South, you know. And so... Uh, she should be a snowbird and just kind of come on down and hang out with us more often during the cold months, but uh, we'll talk about that later. But, you know, it's, it's been a time of maturing. And so as I, as I was just praying about what should we talk about today and what I felt like the Lord wanted to share, it's really about, I think, what God wants us to, a vision of what God wants us to grow into, to mature into as a church, as a spiritual family here in the East End Fellowship. And so um, they say that um, most uh, a, a good sermon generally starts off with a joke, um, but I don't really have one, so I decided to start off with a quote. Here's a quote by um, a, a brother that uh, has been a significant prophet uh, to our times. I'm going to read this quote. Shaquem, could you hit the... It's, um, it's not working. I'll come up closer. All right. But the judgment of God is upon the church as never before. If today's church does not recapture the sacrificial spirit of the early church, it will lose its authenticity, forfeit the loyalty of millions, and be dismissed as an irrelevant social club with no meaning for the 20th century. Every day I meet young people with those with whose disappointment with the church has turned into outright disgust. Has anybody resonated with this quote? Has anybody seen this happen in our society? Now question, who knows who actually said this? Martin Luther King in his 1963 Birmingham jail letter. That was 55 years ago. 
So it was true 55 years ago, and it is also true today. And so one of the things that I think it's important for us to understand is he says, he refers to this like early church, this reminder of what was it like when God decided to birth the church. And I think that's a good thing for us to begin to look at and see uh, what is this so that we can somehow be a credible witness in our day and time. Does anybody want to explore that today? Can I get an amen? So let's let's um, let's um, uh, uh, go to the next slide. Next one, if you would, uh, if you're able, stand up and let's honor the word of God. You see, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple's courts. In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And let us pray. Holy Spirit, we just really pray that you would just open our hearts and our minds uh, from a word from you, Lord. We pray, Lord, that we would be people who um, would, would, would allow your spirit to illuminate not only our minds, but our hearts and our lives so that we may be people that are more faithful tomorrow than we were yesterday and that we are today. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name and all God's people say, amen. You know, this text is a pretty familiar text to uh, the East End community. Uh, we oftentimes reference it a lot. We quote it a lot. And so I hope that even in this time that the Holy Spirit would give uh, some illumination that we just don't be like, oh, man, I've heard this before. But I pray that we would... Um, uh, really see uh, wh- what is it that God might be speaking as a fresh word, a fresh uh, piece of bread for us today. And I want to just give three um, um, kind of uh, hooks to look into. Uh, when we look at this text of Acts uh, 44 through 47, um, we see that there were three themes that were going on. These folks were, uh, number one, faithful fanatics. They were fearless freedom fighters, and they were focused family members. Can you say that with me? They were faithful fanatics. They were what? Fearless freedom fighters. And they were what? Focused family members. Now, I don't know. Um, it's, it's basketball season. Um, there's a lot of people that are like faithful fanatics of uh, it's football season and basketball. You get a chance to check out a whole lot of different sports. Any sports fans in the house? We got a couple. Um, and everybody's not in the sports, but you know, people who are sports fans, they orient their whole life around making sure they can make it to the game, to see their team, to root for their uh, uh, people as if it matters. But for some reason, it does matter. Now, everybody is not a, a sports fan, a football fan, a basketball fan. Some people are, you know, fans of something like the Gilmore Girls. Yo, so, like, it was crazy. It's this show called The Gilmore Girls. And, like, 
it went all season for like so many years, like 10 years, right? Like Rory was a little girl. And then when Netflix decided to like reboot the show, folks were like, oh, I got to I gotta uh, find out what Rory is doing. And so they oriented their whole life around checking out the Gilmore Girls to find out what Rory was up to. Now, I never really watched this show because I'm a Christian, but there's some people. <laughs> but there's some folks that tell me, you don't have to tell me here, I'm not going to judge. But there's some folks that tell me, Dave, you got to watch this show because it is really amazing. It's like, don't watch it before you preach. It's just, it's, you know, but it's a really, really good show. And when somebody tells me that, I realize I probably shouldn't watch that show. But there are people that orient their lives around TV shows because they're faithful fanatics of the TV shows. The question we want to ask is, what is Eastern Fellowship known for? Like, are we known for being, like, what are we known for being faithful fanatics of? That's a significant question. And I think uh, uh, it's really important for us to ask that question with sincerity, to ask that question with some significant examination, because oftentimes what we do is we compare ourselves like with other Christians instead of comparing ourselves with what the Word says. So we might ask the question, what are Christians in America known for? And so as long as we aren't like those folks, then we must be doing okay. According to um, Gabe, uh, um, Gabe Lyons and David Kinnaman in his book Unchristian, they said that, that basically Christians are known for two things. One, for conservative politics, and two, for um, hating gay people. And so oftentimes what's happened in this next generation is that we have kind of had a reaction to that. And so we're just saying, like, hey, as long as I am not that, then I and I, I name the name of Jesus, then I should be okay. But one of the things that I hope we mature in is that we become faithful fanatics of Jesus. How do you know if you are a faithful fanatic of Jesus? It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayer, and everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. See, hanging out is different than being devoted to the Word and to prayer. And y'all, we are people who love to hang out with one another. But aren't we people that love to hang out in the Word of God and in prayer? This takes discipline. This is a thing that you have to orient your life around. And this is something that it doesn't, I mean, I don't know where you are in your journey. I know for me, prayer is a thing that was a thing that was a big struggle for me. I'll, I'll admit that to you. Like, reading the Bible was kind of always a, a, a kind of an easy thing for me. But actually spending time in silence and in quiet, it was a really difficult thing for me. Part of the reason was because I didn't like the things that came up out of my time in silence. I didn't like the things that I thought about myself. I didn't like the type of things that, that, that would come uh, um, um, up and the type of thoughts I would have. And there was something that was very liberating to me when somebody said, hey, David, God knows those things are there. Just He just wants you to know it with him. And so it's okay, like, if, if you just try five minutes a day, and then increase that five minutes to ten minutes a day, 
increase that 10 to 15. And, and one of the things for me that I've really been working on in my, li- in my life personally, and I'm just sharing this as a person that's, that has struggled with prayer, is that I've worked myself up to be able to do try 30 minutes a day just in silence and prayer at some point. Like I don't go, if I, if I don't do it first thing in the morning, I won't go to sleep before I do 30 minutes of silence every day. And I do like a little prayer journal and just try to do it. And it has been significantly transformative in my life. I hope that you all try some type of practice in this way. Because we have to get known for more than just being a community, from just being a people that love diversity, to be people who are like social justice oriented. We really need to be people who are faithful fanatics of Jesus. And here's the thing. There's only way that you're going to know it is if you do it in your private life. Like, like you, 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 you could say it, but like people know that Leslie spends time with God. Because she'd just be talking on this whole other level of stuff and just be like, oh, yeah, you had to be talking to Jesus, right? And so, so you know people that spend time with God. You know Pastor Don spends time with God. And so, you know, I hope that we become a church that spends time in word and in prayer. Can I get an amen in that? So let's start somewhere. The second thing is, as it happens, they were fearless freedom fighters. It said all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and can you put the next slide? Oh, shoot. Sorry. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now, I, one of the things that I, I want to just point out is that we, um, as a church, for the most part, are a pretty, like, generous group of people. If somebody needs a car, folks will give a car. Um, if uh, uh, somebody needs a ride, people will give a ride. If somebody needs something to eat or is in a crisis, like, we are kind of generous people. But, and we actually tend to be more generous than even a lot of other Christians that we know. But we shouldn't be comparing with what other Christians we should know. We should be preparing with the word. And so in the context of this text, it says all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It's important to understand the context of this text. In the context of this text in the first century church, people couldn't... Um, buy and sell property like you can in our Churchill, gentrifying neighborhood. There was no real estate association. There was no, like, you just had property, you could sell stuff as you wanted. It was one of those things where uh, um, if you had property in the first century church, you had to know somebody, you had to be somebody. You had to, like, either be, like, cool with the emperor or uh, uh, you had a family member that, like, passed something down with you and the, and the empire didn't take it from you. But people just didn't, like, have property. Either you, you were born poor, and if, unless something, like, miraculous happened, you stayed poor. And so when we see that they sold property and, and they made sure everybody had what they needed, the best way in our cultural context to understand this is as if somebody took their whole retirement plan or their 401K and they emptied it out and they gave it to the apostles to say, like, hey, you're going to know about more needs than I know about. And I know that I have way more than I could even uh, deal with in a lifetime. And so could you uh, make sure that all my brothers and sisters are taken care of? See, that is what radical hospitality, and that's what B 
being a family is at a whole nother level. This is different than tithing. This is different than just being generous because you have access, because you have a little bit more. This is something where the spirit of God has to be at operating in your life. Now, I live this very weird life. And I'll give you a little insight into this like weird life um, I live. Uh, Joy and I got this invitation to go visit some friends uh, on a plantation in South Carolina. And so they said, hey, can you come down and uh, um, uh, just spend some time and do some discernment on this plantation uh, in South Carolina? And we really want you to come because you're black people, and these are people who are white. And I was like, man, so what's this about? Well, what this is about is that this person has been spending time in this scriptural text. And this person realized that they have inherited a lot like about a quarter of a million dollars just because of somebody's grandchild. They've inherited like for birthdays, for Christmas, for Thanksgiving, for uh, uh, graduations, for, for marriage. Like they have accumulated a quarter of a million dollars just for being somebody's grandchild. And they, they, they live uh, and they're married to somebody who makes six figures. And so like money's not a thing. And they realize, like, hey, I live in a community where people, uh, uh, um, because of who they're born to uh, um, and because of the generational things that have happened, the systematic situations that have happened, uh, um, they can hardly even get out of high school. And there's just a significant inequity that's going on, and these people are my family. So what they did was they said, hey, we have been journeying together, like, with these African-American uh, um, brothers and sisters, and, and we've been journeying together. Hey, can, can, can we create a family trust or a family foundation where we would give um, uh, 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 money and, and somehow know how to empower other African-Americans in our community so that uh, uh, um, they can reap some of the inheritance that I've reaped? And guess what? I'm not going to be in control of it. Like, I can't be in control of it. I'm going to, at some point, we'll figure out this plan, write a check for a quarter of a million dollars, and we're going to empower the community. This is a radical Holy Spirit Jesus story. When, when, when our friends had this conversation, we were like, say, so do y'all want to do start a family foundation? I was like, yeah, that's great. So what do you do? How do you do that? <laughs> I don't come from a family that, that, that has that. So we even had to like learn how to even do that. Y'all, I, I really believe that this is the type of work that the Holy Spirit wants to do. Because if you look outside the four walls of the church, you just look on the news, you look in so many different places, people don't have an answer and they're looking for an answer. And I feel like somewhere with the Holy Spirit working in people's lives in this way, this is some kind of direction that God is given. Now, that's people that have resources. What about the people that don't have resources? Because it said that everybody had, uh, 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 nobody had need. And it's important to understand that people with material possessions aren't the only people, like, like they have need also. Some of the most emotionally, relationally impoverished people I know are some of the wealthiest people that I know. And so it's important if you are a person that, that, that doesn't have money or feels financially insecure, 
you need to understand that a lot of times you know more about faith and walking with Jesus than anybody who's never had to have faith and walk with Jesus. If you never had to, like, trust God for your daily bread, then that is a mental exercise. But if you had to trust God to deliver you from narcotics or you had to trust God to pay your bills or if you had to trust God to heal your child or heal your body when you couldn't afford to pay for it, there's a whole lot that you know about God that nobody else knows about and you have something to offer to them. I wish I could get an amen on that because it's important because oftentimes we talk as if there's people in this community that don't know anything about Jesus and knows anything about walking with God and doesn't know anything about faith. But there's some people that know more about faith than even me. I have a college degree. A lot of times my, my, my faith that, that the things that I am struggling with really has more to do because I feel like the kind of promises and control that was promised me when I got my degree isn't working out for me. Y'all, there's some people that need to teach a lot for me. That's one of the reasons why for the last almost 20 years, I've sat on Pastor Don's porch. Because here's a guy that grew up in a foster home that, 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 that just bounced from house to house until he became, uh, um, uh, got married to uh, uh, Sister Florence and he got a little bit of stability in his life and like literally had to just trust Jesus for everything. He knows way more about faith than, than I probably could ever know. And I, I try to just on this porch I can glean and get something from him. So I'm going to tell y'all, we need to be this kind of family that nobody has need. That, that, that whether it's economic or spiritual or emotional, there is something that we are all giving to each other. And the last thing is they were focused family members. It says that every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to the, their number daily those who were being saved. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Y'all, one of the sweet things I think is really great about East End is that, like, if you're in, you're part of community. And um, one of the critiques that I've heard is that it's kind of hard to kind of get in, you know, because we just are all, we just know each other, and there's a rhythm that's kind of there. And if you're like a person that feels that way, as a, as a, as a leader in this church, as an elder in this church, I want to say I'm, I'm really sorry. And uh, it's kind of hard for fish to see that they're in water. And so, you know, call us out on it and, 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 and help us to be able to uh, um, help, help you kind of know how to get in. But one of the things that we are known for and that we have done is we've done community. But, again, I think there's a, a deeper thing that's going on. And in order for you to understand a deeper thing that's going on, it's important to go back to the beginning chapter to understand what the miracle of Pentecost was about. The uh, uh, disciples, after walking with Jesus for three years, um, asked this question uh, to the uh, uh, to Jesus. After Jesus was died, he died and he resurrected. Uh, they were waiting. They were an oppressed people group. They were waiting for a Messiah that was uh, uh, not only a spiritual leader, but was also a political leader that would deliver them from the oppression of the Roman government. They were also they were looking for somebody that was going to deliver them economically. 
they were somewhere looking for somebody to go to deliver them sociologically. And so when in chapter uh, 1, around kind of verse 6 and 8, they asked Jesus, after he spent some time helping them understand that he was a Messiah, he, they asked Jesus this question. They said, Jesus, when are you going to make Israel great again? I don't know if you saw that. The way they asked that question was like, hey, when are you going to restore the, the kingdom back to Israel? And basically, they were asking the question, when are we going to be in charge again? When are we going to kind of like get ours? And I don't know if you realize, but that's a question that we always are asking ourselves. When, are, when, when am I going to get mine? When are my families going to get mine? When are my people going to get mine? And what Jesus says is that, hey, I mean, he, you know, this is a little commentary. It's like, yo, y'all are like asking the wrong question. That's foolishness. This is what you need to do. Go to Jerusalem and pray. Go and Pentecost, make sure you room, get to this room, they call the upper room, and they pray, and it was about 120 of them. And then what began to happen as they began to pray, what the Holy Spirit providentially did was bring people from different nations together. And in these different nations, they were all kind of represented, uh, um, a lot of the known world, and they spoke different languages. But when the Holy Spirit came, they spoke uh, 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 their own language, but yet they understood one another for the glory of God. See, what the miracle of Pentecost just isn't the fact that people could just speak in tongues. What the miracle of Pentecost is that they could speak their own language and yet still understand one another for the glory of God. So what the miracle of Pentecost is, is unity and adversity, diversity versus unity through assimilation. And see, the thing is, 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 is that the way the things are done in the world is that we oftentimes want to get unity through assimilation instead of getting unity and diversity. Unity and diversity is a lot more messy, and it requires the work of the Holy Spirit. And so what we need to do as a community is really uh, uh, be the kind of people that will really trust God through prayer, that won't say, hey, you know, if, if I'm like more on the prophetic side or if I'm more on the justice-oriented side or I'm more on the holiness or, or evangelistic side, that we just say, like, hey, God, like, like when's Easter going to be like how I want it to be? What we really need to do is say, like, hey, can we pray together? Can we be people, meet, and pray with one another and really allow unity and diversity to happen versus unity through assimilation? See, when prayer begins to happen, you know, hopefully we, we, we are a diverse community, but really, what we really need to be after is becoming a reconciling community. You can be a diverse community, but not be a reconciling community. I think as a church, as we look over the last 10 years, I think there's areas where we've been a diverse community, but there's also areas where we haven't really been a reconciling community. When we look at the economic imbalances that are going on, it's not that much difference inside the church than it is on the outside of the church. When we look at uh, uh, some of the social spaces that we do when we look at like people's like really strong intimacy. I mean, there's a, a few stories of people who uh, uh, really live as family. But when you look across the educational lines, when you look across the like when it comes to like real intimate gatherings, it still is pretty economically and educationally around the same. But I think the Holy like like we've gone too far to this like 10 12 years is like too long down this road to go to a place and just kind of give up 
we got to press through to a whole new level. I don't think that we can get to it by any more necessarily like human effort. I actually think what we need to do is take our human effort and put it towards prayer and the word and, and spending time and just like naming these things. One of the, one of the things that, that, that I just try to be as, as a leader in this community is a truth teller. Just, it just is what it is. And this stuff is hard. And it just is what it is. But I think what we could do is really uh, uh, trust God and it just says, like, we're center bounds or, or things that are broken, like, like grace abounds all the more, and God's trying to bring healing to it. So could we be, uh, uh, over the next 10 years, more of a reconciling community than we are today? I think if we press into this, I believe the answer is yes. So how we get to this is that we become faithful fanatics of Jesus. As we become faithful fanatics of Jesus, we will be reminded that our Savior is a person, the person that we are modeling our life after is a person that gave up their life for the sake of others. So when we give up our things for the sake of others, when we give up our, our, our preferences for the sake of others, when we uh, uh, give up maybe our story and our narratives and, and these like bad cycles for the sake of others, we actually won't realize it's anything that we're losing, but it's all that we're gaining for the glory of God. So we become fearless freedom fighters. And as we become fearless freedom fighters, we will become focused family members. And so I don't do things for Willis, and I don't do things uh, for Rob or Aisha or Carolyn because out of duty, I do it because they're family. And so they don't have to remind me of certain things because we're like family. And, 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 and I just think as a family the Lord wants us to break through to a whole nother level that, that will only require the work of the Holy Spirit to make happen. So in this time of response, I would just ask the Holy Spirit to say, like, go, Lord, like, where am I in this space? Like, am I a person that just, like, does, does my first step of faithfulness mean I just need to, like, devote five minutes to prayer? Is my next step of faithfulness so that I can become a faithful fanatic of Jesus? Is my step of faithfulness, maybe you have a great devotional life, but maybe what it might mean is that are there things that I'm scared to give up on? Or is there an insecurity or inferiority complex I have because I uh, um, don't measure up to the quote-unquote world standards? We need to be fearless freedom fighters. Or... Am I only just too focused on my nuclear family or the people that are just like me that I just kind of just get? Lord, do you want me to kind of like grow and be a little bit more of a, a focused family and focus on some other folks that I can, in my spiritual family, in a new radical way that will require the Spirit of God to bring some type of revelation to me? Again, I just preached the word. I hope the Holy Spirit speaks to you. I really trust the Lord um, in all of this. And so just let's take a little time. There'll be people praying on the side. You can pray um, up here, and um, the worship team will lead us. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, in this time, I pray that you would um, speak to us. I don't know, like, if the word was strong or just it was just what it is, but that's what the text says. And so, Lord, I pray that you would um, 
help us know what are you calling us to do. And it looks different for people on the margins than it does for people in the center. It looks different for people uh, uh, who have been walking with Jesus for many years than it does for somebody who uh, um, just started walking with Jesus yesterday. So, God, this is just a description of what your word says. We pray that you would give everybody the right prescription for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, as we uh, close, uh, two things. One, uh, just in a time of prayer, thinking a word like this where you just say, like, hey, just give to the Holy Spirit. Um, one of the things I want you to, as you use as a tool as discernment, is um, also discern what season that you're in. Um, I just think that's a really important thing. If you're in a season, uh, like there's a reason why Joy and I don't have children. It's because uh, we knew if we had children, then we could uh, be in a time where we just have to pull back from a lot of different things. Or it could be in a season where you have, you know, you're single, uh, you got a lot more time, you could kind of lean in, so you maybe want to like lean into the season and, and try to just go hard with time with God and Jesus. And, you know, um, so it's just important to kind of know, I just felt like, I, like the one thing that the Lord said. And then Alan, I feel like Alan, um, Chris told me that you had a word from the Lord. Can you come and share? Then after that, we're going to um, close out. Amen. Uh, earlier today, I was just spending some time resting and just talking to God. And, and I feel like he gave me a picture that, that just brought back after the message that David brought. And um, the picture was of a bird when it first learns to fly and how a lot of times the birds work really hard and they flap their wings and they drop and they don't have the efficiency that a mature bird has. And when you watch a mature bird, a mature bird can fly and it, what it does is it follows the ridges of mountains and the heat and the wind comes up and it actually will carry the bird and the bird will only have to flap its wings maybe once or twice every couple miles. And just as, as David was sharing this, I was asking the Holy Spirit, and I wanted to check things. I just really sensed that uh, no matter who you are, whether you're single, what season of life you're in, there's a point where sometimes one can feel as though there's a lot of movement of the wings and not a whole lot of movement along in the sky. There's not a lot of being able to enjoy the heights. And I just want to encourage everyone here to uh, ask the Holy Spirit to really help them to be able to see what they were created for. That every feather that's on your wings serves a purpose. But then also understand the seasons and the heights and how the winds work. And just ask the Holy Spirit to help you find the balance between your work and His work. So what David shared today, it can seem heavy and it can cause a lot of flapping of the wings. But the reality is, is that the burden is light. So just be encouraged that you should not have to flap so hard. Go to your maker. Hey Amen. Can you sing one more chorus? Just settle in that and then we'll um, close out. Come, come, just as you are, won't you come? You're never too far, you can come. All who are weary and heavy, laden, come. 